1: Welcome to Fine-Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor, whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over at The Wrap, and whose musings on the Mission Impossible movies you can listen to on the Light the Fuse podcast, he and I are recording this week's show on Friday, April 28th, 2023. You have been a very busy guy for the past 48. Do you want to kind of walk through, folks, explain where you've been, what you've done? Well,
0: on Wednesday night, I drove up with my my good buddy Charles and my co-host on Light the Fuse. Mm-hmm. And we got into Las Vegas around 11 o'clock p.m., mm-hmm. went right to bed, and then uh, got up the next morning, went to the CinemaCon panel mm-hmm. on... Mm Paramount Slate, which was really impressive, and it had some animation stuff, which I'm sure we will talk about.
1: We will. Mm -hmm.
0: We actually recorded an episode in Vegas. I jumped on a plane back to Burbank at 2 p.m., got back. The plane was a little bit delayed. I got home at about 4, Mm -hmm. tried to take a nap, wasn't successful, and then went to the world premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 at the Dolby Theater, and... um, was there uh, until very late last night, mm-hmm. and um, here I am right now, struggling to stay awake and be <laughs> well, as entertaining <laughs> as possible for the fine, fine-tuning fine listeners. I
1: thought the Guardian thing was going to be at the El Cap, so it was across the street at the Dolby? Really?
0: Yes. Okay, so usually they split it between mm-hmm. the El Cap and the Dolby
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a cost-cutting measure, um, because when you do that, you have to shut down Hollywood Boulevard. Um, They put everybody in the Dolby, and then they had the party on the roof of that same building. Oh. So, it did not require a street shutdown. It didn't require, you know, the crazy kind of infrastructure Mm -hmm. that you need to have when you are doing both theaters. So, it was just the Dolby. I was on the front row of the mezzanine. I would argue the best seats in the house, Mm -hmm. and it was quite an experience. Very cool.
1: Where would you put volume three uh, in the trilogy?
0: Yeah, I think it might be my favorite. Um, It is
1: great. It is
0: very emotional, especially Mm -hmm. if you are an animal lover, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it is a, it is a, it a wonderful conclusion Mm -hmm. to the trilogy. To the characters mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely wonderful. It was a really uh, wonderful film.
1: And was looking at the trades today. They say two a running time of two and a half hours. Do we have any mid and end credit scenes or we do. We have a mid and end credit scene and both are
0: very delightful. I think the the, the post credit scene is one of my favorite uh credit scenes in any Of these movies, so...
1: Okay. Definitely stick around. Okay, folks, we have a lot more news to follow here. Just a heads up, though, going to be kind of a different fine-tuning, because there was so much news coming out of CinemaCon, and and likewise, some news coming out of France in in regard to Annecy. We're going to mostly concentrate on those events today. But, of course, I uh, want to point out that the news portion of today's show is, of course, brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Since, again, Drew, you actually got to sit in on the Paramount presentation, I wanted to touch on the three animated projects that Paramount has coming down the pike. Jim,
0: there's actually four. You you forgot our friend SpongeBob SquarePants.
1: Oh, please. Now is this the Sandy Cheeks movie or? No, so okay. This is a
0: completely different movie. I Mm. forget what the what this one is called, Mm -hmm. but it is a. I think it's called like looking for square, search for SquarePants or something. But the Sandy Cheeks movie is Mm. just on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the heck happened there yeah the the spongebob movie search for square pants it involves the jolly roger and our good friend davy jones and i think it has kind of a spooky tone
1: they're saying here yeah search for square pants tentatively scheduled to be released memorial day weekend 2025 the piece of art i'm looking at here appears to be hand-drawn and wasn't the last last one was a, a cg film wasn't it yeah, I think it's going to probably still be the CG
0: okay. element because they they're, they also talked about how this will be a hybrid mm-hmm. of live action and animation again.
1: Apologies for films coming from Paramount rather than three. Uh, first one up, though, is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, uh, which comes out uh, August 4th of this year. Seth Rogen is producing, is that right? Or he as is well, producing, yes. Also voicing Bebop in this thing. Well, well, Rogen at the event talked about when they were putting the project together about what if we cast actual teenagers and let them record together. They showed some footage, right? Or
0: yeah, they did. yeah. and and that approach of recording together was actually inspired by his experience on The Lion King when he and Billy Eichner were recording together.
1: I did not know that.
0: Oh, but yeah, they showed footage of them being introduced to all the mutants. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if you had if you had these toys as mm-hmm. a child, you uh, would recognize all of these characters, Mondo Gecko and Ray Filet and all these great uh, mm. crazy characters. And the art style is really striking. It's based on Jeff Rowe, who is the director who did uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines, mm-hmm. said that the aesthetic was based on his drawings of the characters in like middle school and elementary schools. Oh, <laughs> so, no. um, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's got a really cool, kind of like sketchy, um, you know, aesthetic, really beautiful. And very funny and very dynamic, the footage that they showed. And also, Jim, you will love that mm-hmm. Seth Rogen was absolutely hilarious on stage. And he he began by saying, "CinemaCon is the place where you want to get, where you can only get into a drunken one-hour conversation with a guy who owns two screens in Minneapolis." <laughs> that was his
1: uh,
0: that was his his take on CinemaCon. Well, it was very funny.
1: Look, I have to say right off the bat, Mutant Mayhem is coming to it is from somebody who worked on Mitchells vs. the Machines. It's like, oh, I'm there on August 4th just for that. On the other hand, given what people are saying about the next Transformers movie, the fact that we're getting an animated Transformers in July of 2024... Mm-hmm. Just the talent that's, that's sort of lined up for this. I mean, you know, starting with Josh Cooley and the the voice cast with, with Chris Hemsworth and Scarlett Johansson, John Hamm, and, and Lawrence Fishburne. That's that's an interesting way to go with this one. Um, and more to the point also, what, what is it? A prequel basically taking us back to when Optimus Prime and Megatron were brothers in arms and how they became sworn enemies. Did, did they show anything from this? or They
0: just showed one piece of concept art Mm -hmm. um so nothing that we could really get our minds around i was Mm -hmm. hoping for some footage but Mm -hmm. i don't know i've been trying to chase down who's doing the animation for it as well yeah so if anybody knows my hunch is that it's ilm but i don't know that
1: for sure Uh, interesting point okay and then moving further down the slate they announced here in fact they gotta give rihanna points for showing up in vegas in her third trimester to announce the smurfs movie that uh, february 14th 2025 and also a kind of an interesting choice to be voicing smurfette but i guess I, if if the news coming out of vegas is is true i mean she's very hands-on with this she's producing the film as well as providing songs for it right
0: yeah and, and it's the trade some of the trades, we're calling it the Smurfs movie mm-hmm. the logo is is the Smurf movie mm-hmm. so I think it's very much about her character specifically
1: okay so okay.
0: it's honestly a weird property for her to be involved with I don't know why this. Smurfs of all things. But. Well,
1: how many different iterations of the Smurfs have now wandered? This is it back at, at Paramount after being over at Sony for all those years. The the IP. So that's the Paramount presentation. We're about to get started on what Disney shared at CinemaCon, but I, I did want to pause here for a moment to ask: Did you see the story that bubbled up today about? The folks who were going to be taking part in King Charles III's coronation uh, next month.
0: I did. I did. I saw that my my BFF is going to be there, what? Mr. Tom Cruise. There we go. There. But you had another another guest you wanted to talk about.
1: Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh is supposed to be taking part in this series of pre-recorded videos that will be interspersed at various moments over the course of the coronation, that will r- reveal little-known facts about the king. I'd love to know which arm of the Walt Disney Company got this going. But also, do you have a way to reach Mr. Cruz out ahead of this? Um, because Ray Romano has been out doing press for the that film that he wrote and directed, which, by the way, I hear is, is quite lovely. But I, I think in a long-form uh, interview with The Hollywood Reporter, he was talking about how these sorts of gigs, whether it's a coronation of a king or an, an inauguration of a president, are really, really tough. You know, in fact, he I guess he was performing at one of the balls because... Aren't there like five and six balls the night that the president is inaugurated and he makes appearances, at, at you know, as many of them as he can, but they have different performers at them. And Ray Romano was a performer at one of these, but it turns out he was the guy who had to sort of stall while they were setting the stage up for Beyonce. And it just did not go well because the room was all excited that Beyonce was about to perform and sort of paying attention to the stage across the way where they were getting set up for her to perform and. No one was really paying attention to Ray and he went, evidently he went back to his hotel room that night and felt really, really bad about you know what had happened. and then the phone rang. And it was Gary Shandling. Who I, I guess had been in the room and called him and said that was really good material. I really enjoyed what you did. That it was just a comedian reaching out to another comedian to sort of soothe him over bombing on stage. And he said, you know, I, I never forgot that. That was such a gracious thing to do.
0: Well, maybe maybe it'll be the the Winnie the Pooh from Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> that's at the. <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, again, a weird side note. Would, another thing that bubbled up in the trades, and again, this is when the AA Milne book slid into public domain. Did you see where there's an R-rated Christopher Robin comedy now being slated for uh, production?
0: I did. It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It is. But are you gonna watch Winnie Are you gonna watch uh, Peter Pan and Wendy this
1: weekend? I am, but mostly for Jim Gaff. I've been hearing that Jim Gaffigan is an amazing Smee. You've seen this thing, right?
0: I have. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, Um, oh, good. All right. Yeah, yeah.
1: In a weird sort of the thing we were just talking about with Transformers 1, the Optimus Prime Megatron thing, is it true that Lowry really does sort of lean into the Peter James Hook story or...
0: Yeah, it's a really lovely kind of thoughtful exploration of their relationship. I mean, there's a reason that they are—they cast two different actors, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, all right. The kind of um, connection that they have is really interesting in how they explore that. And, you know, it's going to surprise you. It's really, really, really good. It's like, it's just unbelievably
1: great. Well, it's from da- so. David Lowry. Yes. David does, always does such lovely work, whether it's uh, the Pete, dragon uh reinvention or the green knight so you know very 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 much looking forward to this i also i uh, have to say i'm i'm very much looking forward to peter psalm's uh, elemental based on what you heard coming out of CinemaCon and the fact that they showed 20 minutes of the film do you feel like they basically showed the stuff that you saw but uh emeryville last month
0: Yeah, it was exactly the same Mm -hmm. footage that they showed at Pixar. I mean, down to the fact that they handed out 3D glasses for the big Mm -hmm. sports sequence. Okay, okay. um, Yeah, now everybody has seen the same footage. And now the only place to go is Can Jim, to
1: see it all. Okay, so we don't need to recap that. But there was also a big push for Wish. In fact, didn't they do the big song there live on stage?
0: Yeah, I th- again, I think that is the same song that we heard at D23, mm-hmm. if I am not mistaken. But they obviously also debuted the trailer, mm-hmm. and they announced the Chris Pine casting. Yuck! It was very funny. Did you notice how they did that? Because you and I have known mm-hmm. for months now mm-hmm. exactly who he was playing. He is the villain yep. of mm-hmm. Wish. Yep. But when they announced him, mm-hmm. they didn't say that. And then the trailer comes out, and he's clearly the villain. Oh, no. It's like, oh my, what, what is this cloak and dagger about? Well, it's very funny.
1: From the moment they cut it under his eyes, you know, the close-up in the eyes, and they go green, it's like, oh, well, okay, now we know what's going on. But just to sort of circle back to the musical element for A Wish, it's the Disney 100 release. The company's making a huge deal about, you know, its heritage. And so you have this big animated release, and You don't go to Alan Menken to do the score. You don't even go to the Lopez's, who uh, perhaps are busy working on the score for for Frozen 3. But instead, you go with uh, Ben Rice and Juliana Michaels. These are folks who are very much out of the... The contemporary sphere. I mean, you know, for example, Ben Rice is a, a record producer, sound engineer, songwriter. Worked with Nora Jones and the Jonas Brothers, and and Michaels, on the other hand, has written songs for Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, uh, Britney Spears, Justin Bieber, Gwen Stefani, and is really consistent. Because I mean, think about it. When when Walt took on the Sherman Brothers back in the the early nineteen sixties they have been writing songs for a net you know so who you know were that world's equivalent of the Selena Gomez is in the hell you know they Selena and Demi also work for Disney So what have you been hearing what's the reaction to the song song been so far? People were really into it for uh, coming out of CinemaCon. Mm-hmm. and the
0: fun part about the Chris Pine character too is that he sing he has a big song too does he so oh. if you have seen dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. where he plays a bard mm-hmm. you might have already heard some of his his skills mm-hmm. uh as a singer so i think it's really fun that he'll okay. he'll sing and and wish as well well
1: cool 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 all right and and i think you and i at a, a, a recent fine-tuning we're talking about the uh, limited series on disney plus Plus. Into the Unknown, the making of of Frozen 2, and how exhausted poor Peter Del Vecchio looked in the final installments. And it's just sort of like, and I just noticed in the credits here that Peter is also producing Wish. And it's like, oh no, poor Peter. But on the other hand, I guess on the heels of what happened with Strange World and that sort of thing, are you intrigued by the fact that Jennifer Lee, head of... Feature animation is not only executive producing, but also writing. Wish they told us that at D twenty three, Jim.
0: That was not a surprise. Yeah,
1: I know, I know. But it just—it's still the fact that she, both she and Peter are are this hands on with this one.
0: You know, she can do it all, Jim. She's married to Alfred Molina. She's running Walt Disney Animation Studios. She is a force of nature. Okay. You know? it's, okay. it's lovely to see.
1: All right. Well, I, I love what I saw of this trailer. Uh, it, you know, And again, it's always nice to once again hear Alan Tudyk. What is the name of the goat character again that he's doing? Oh, God. I Valentino, I think. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So, all right. Looking forward to seeing the next trailer for this one. But, all right, folks, much more to talk about with CinemaCon. But first, let's take a break. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic
0: binge-worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers will teddy survive will joe and link finally find happiness together meredith returns along with fan faves like arizona you can now stream every episode of gray's ever on hulu and new episodes next day watch the season premiere of gray's anatomy tonight at 9 8 central on abc and stream on hulu
1: Before we get back to talking about CinemaCon, Drew, you were pulling together some stories for tonight, and pointed toward the Amazon. What is it? Pushing deeper into the, the Batman universe. The uh, what? We're not just getting that the Matt Reeves animated series, the the Cape Crusader, but but a couple of other projects as well, right?
0: Yes. Hmm. Uh, one is the Christmas special. That was announced previously, Mm -hmm. uh, which I believe is called, what is
1: it? Merry Little Batman.
0: Merry Little Batman. There we go. Yes, and then... There's an accompanying mm-hmm. series as well in the same animation style. Yeah, slash, I guess world or something. I, I don't I, know. I, I
1: think that 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 show is supposed to be called the B- or Bat Family, but that yes. one image they released of the animation style, it's like, oh, I, I'm there. I mean, it just it looks loose and funny just for the just for how they made Alfred look. Yeah, exactly. Do we have a timetable? For a- no, I th- I mean, I would
0: be surprised if it wasn't out by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, who knows mm-hmm. with this stuff? It, it is just so fluid is the word is the reason the, the way to describe mm-hmm. the current state of streaming right now, Jim. Mm-hmm. So God only knows, especially if we're staring down a writer's strike in a couple of weeks. Um,
1: yeah. OK, we now pivot uh, back to Comic-Con and we'll let's talk about what uh, Universal Revealed coming from both DreamWorks Animation as well as Illuminations. Now, we talked previously about Ruby Gilman, uh, Teenage Kraken. That's going to have its world premiere at Annecy on June 15th and then be released theatrically on June 30th. Kind of interesting that Universal used uh, CinemaCon to sort of, you know, talk up Ruby as potentially the girl power movie of the summer. How much of, of this have you seen at this point? You know, a lot of us have seen the trailer and... Yeah,
0: just the trailer. Mm-hmm. I, they haven't shown me anything yet. I mean, I'm dying to see the movie, okay. so hopefully yeah. that'll happen soon, but... Okay, yeah.
1: okay. well, again, you know, the, the, the big fan of Kirk D'Amico and his work, and I, I love the look of this one, so really, really, really looking forward to this one. Also, I, I won't lie, I am looking forward to Trolls 3, Trolls Band Together, which... Arrives in theaters November 17th of this year. Been a while since the first Trolls movie. Uh, that was October of 2016. We got Trolls World Tour. What was it? Just two months into the pandemic, right? That, that was released in April of 2020. And that went straight pay-per-view, right?
0: It was a hybrid okay. model, I believe. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Okay. One of the one of the first. Mm-hmm. Remember the studios were
1: this is true. very
0: angry at the trolls uh, in the early parts of the pandemic. This is yeah. true.
1: This is true. Well, I again somebody had to be the one to sort of break the seal, so to speak. Moving on to the the third Trolls movie, Trolls Band Together. Uh, you know, again, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick are back. I love the how this one kind of leads into to Justin's past you know and and with the whole boy band thing and we've all seen the taste of the psychedelic hand-drawn scene that that's in this film and I I guess that's the thing they basically showed at CinemaCon was sort of an extended version of the trailer but yeah it's Branch's long-lost brother showing up and then they must go off and and save the other brothers who are uh, captive and reunite the boy band Brozone. So, evidently, score leans very heavily into Backstreet Boys songs. So, should be a lot of fun. On the other hand, we also got uh, more info on Migration, which is the Illuminations project that's being released on December 22nd of this year. We also have an official log line. This film follows a family of ducks who try to convince their overprotective father to go on the vacation of a lifetime. What do you think of the, the vocal cast that got revealed for this one?
0: I, I thought it was fine. I mean, I think, you know, Elizabeth Banks is playing one of the main characters, and I'm happy that she gets her shot mm-hmm. after being cast as Joy and record, mm-hmm. recording for however many months as Joy for Inside oh. Out and then getting replaced. So I'm happy that she has a new mm-hmm she has a new outlet, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's Kumail Nanjiani, it's mm. Casper Jennings, Aquafina, who we've mm. heard, obviously, in a number of animated projects. Carol Kane, Keegan-Michael Key, who I think at this point uh, you contractually <laughs> obligated to have Keegan-Michael Key in your animated movie. Um, Very
1: true. Very yes. true. Yes,
0: and then Danny DeVito, which, you know, we I love would have no. I, I, yeah.
1: I have to admit, just the fact that we get Carol Kane and Danny DeVito in this project, I'm there. I mean, again, I I still think the trailer that we saw last month, a little strange, but I'll give it a pass. You know, just uh, we'll wait till December, see how this shakes out. And then, of course, we have Kung Fu Panda 4, which is going to arrive in theaters March 8th of 2024. And it's now been eight years since we had our last Kung Fu Panda theatrical release. There's been a couple of animated series. In fact, a number of them over on Peacock, right? Yeah. But since our last Shrek movie, Shrek Forever After, uh, which was released May of 2010, so 13 years. So, all right, 8, 13, it, you know, and as Drew, Drew, who knew before anybody else in town was talking about it, there was this, you know, a Shrek sequel in development and headed our way even now. Anyway, back to Kung Fu Panda 4, uh, Jack Black comes, comes out on stage at CinemaCon with a giant salt and pepper beard, which is makes him look very panda-like. Oh, I, I, have you been following what's been going on with the Peaches song from Super Mario Brothers movie?
0: No, I haven't. What, what's Tell me what's happening.
1: Well, evidently, it's largely just Jack Black very passionately singing the word peaches over and over again at the piano uh as bowser and it evidently it debuted in the u.s uh billboard hot 100 is is 83 and has already climbed to the, the the 56th slot on the charts meanwhile over in australia in the netherlands and new zealand it's actually cracked the top 40 so on the heels of the success of the super mario brothers movie oh, oh speaking of which we we've, we've talked about this in previous episodes to date, uh, stateside, that illuminations film uh, has earned 450 million dollars, uh, 448 million overseas, total of 898 million worldwide. And by the time this podcast goes live on May 2nd, it's projected to be at 925, 930 million worldwide. So, a billion still doable.
0: Oh, it'll clear it. I mean, it hasn't even, I think it opens in China and Japan this week. Are you kidding? It hasn't opened yet? Yeah, so it'll be. Oh, wow,
1: I didn't know that. This is
0: the beginning, Jim. This is the beginning. Okay.
1: All right. Well, speaking of beginning, where the story of of Kung Fu Panda 4 begins, I, I guess they didn't show anything from the film. But Black's on stage and and explained the story that that the effect of Poe faces his biggest challenge ever, and the way it starts off is that Poe is now the dragon warrior, of course, spiritual leader of the, the Valley of Peace. But being a leader means having a plan in place just in case you can no longer lead. So Poe sets off in search of a worthy successor he can train. And he ends up in the big city where he begins to train a female fox to eventually take over as the Dragon Warrior. But in the middle of this, a new villain emerges called the Chameleon. And as Black uh, told folks at CinemaCon, the, the deal with the Chameleon is he doesn't just fight Poe as himself, but he can summon other villains from throughout Poe's past. So this film is actually going to be kind of a reunion project. We're going to see... The villains come back from uh, one, two, and three just to bring back Tai Lung. That'll be cool. Is that the Ian McShane character? That's the Ian McShane character who, you know, and and I still think the scene where he breaks out of the prison. In fact, I, I think that was the very first set piece I got to see when doing press for the original Kung Fu Panda. And it was such a, a tour de force, you know, just the, the whole notion of he's in chains in a subterranean cave surrounded by guards and he still manages to escape. It so delivered the goods. So can't wait to see that character come back. Likewise, what was the Peacock character from 2? Oh yeah, Shang Li or yeah. something, yeah. This is a fun idea, can't wait to see it play out. So that's largely the news coming out of CinemaCon, though, and we talked briefly last week about Annecy, but what's interesting is just this week, we have finally some schedule information for uh, that event, which is being held June 11th through the 17th, and... The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, Jeff Rowe, uh, who you just uh, mentioned, Drew, uh, co-director of the Mitchells vs. the Machine. They're going to show a work in progress presentation there on the first day of the fest. And then on Tuesday, Warner Brothers Animation gives a first look at their animated Lord of the Rings project. The the War of Rurrim, does that have you heard anything about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, all I know is that it's an anime,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Lord of the Rings. I think this is going to be the first time anybody's seen anything from okay. it. So it's pretty right. exciting.
1: Okay. That same day, Gennady Tartakovsky, uh, we get a, a, a first look at his new project for Sony Pictures Animation, Fixed. You were recently over there. Did, did you get to eyeball any of this one? or?
0: No, I haven't. I, I just talked to, to Gennady about... Mm. Unicorn Warriors Eternal, which I want to remind everybody, premieres on Friday at midnight on Adult Swim, and it'll be on HBO Max, I believe, the next day. So get on it. Um, Yeah, but I have not seen anything from Fixed yet.
1: Okay. And on Wednesday, uh, Netflix is going to be debuting Nimona, which, if you recall from last week's show, Drew has already seen and has very high praise for the troy Quinn and nick uh bueno or bruno movie kind of interesting they're also going to use this panel to uh also begin to talk up uh chicken run dawn of the nugget straight through to blue eye samurai which again is my favorite title of the coming year and then on that same day uh, Benjamin Renner is uh, going to be talking up Migration, uh, which, again, we were we just talk about the vocal cast for. And then come Thursday, DreamWorks is going to hold the world premiere of Ruby Gilman, uh, Teenage Kraken. And then that same day, we're going to get a first look at the Trolls band together that we were just talking up. That's directed by Walt Dorn and Tim Hurt. Hits. And then finally... They are confirming here that Elemental is going to premiere at Cannes, but it's out of competition, right? It's like it's being shown the last night of the festival.
0: Yeah, it's the closing night festival. I, w- I will also add on if you are at at Annecy on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, besides Elemental, I think your wish might come true. Oh. Am I being subtle enough, Jim? Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, also, Pixar is going to use that opportunity to give people a look at their first ever animated series, uh, Win or Lose, which is going to Disney Plus. But you are are trying to get to Annecy this year, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think I might have figured out a way, Jim. Ooh,
1: so, ooh, stay ooh. tuned. Well, yeah. me, see, this is what I love about Drew. Drew takes his job seriously. In fact, I still cannot believe that you managed to get a brand new episode of Light Diffuse recorded in between the Paramount presentation and making it to the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 3 world premiere.
0: Yeah, I think it was up before I landed in Burbank. Uh, That's how quickly we got it up.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, well, folks, when you finish here today, go immediately to the Light Diffuse podcast and check that out. Uh, oh, you're also missing out if you're not following Drew on social media. By the way, it's so enjoyed the, the the shot of you and Charles gooning in front of the the uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. That that massive standee thing that they're sending out to theaters.
0: Yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. Can Can you tell folks where they can find you on social media?
0: Yes. Uh, I. It is at Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt, on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. As okay. Twitter becomes more and more unusable, I am still there for some yeah, godforsaken I'm, reason. As are you, Jim. Tell I'm, people where
1: I know, they can find you. I know. Well, again, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. I'm, I'm – by the way, we, we also have some other podcasts here that maybe you might want to listen to. Uh, in addition to fine-tuning, we have Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. We have Marvelous Disney, uh, our Marvel News podcast. That's with Aaron Adams, the talented gentleman who edits all the podcasts here, who, by the way, has a show of his own, 32nd Street, about the world of advertising. Well we're checking out and i swear to god brian gone and i will get a in fact i'm trying to get a new episode in the can that will go up on may 4th for may the 4th day so that's one of my projects for this weekend other thing uh folks if you could do drew and i a favor if you could head over to apple podcasts and rate and review well not just the podcast you're listening to right now fine tuning but also light the fuse that would be very helpful Also, if you really, really, really like what you heard here tonight, you want to go over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool. And I think that's going to do it. Thanks for all your hard work this week, and, and, and thanks for listening.